I want to take you through some things tonight that God's had me focus on and some of these kinds of things I've probably talked about at one stage or another here, but boy, God just brought some ideas to come together for me a while back that He's focused me on here tonight, and I want to just begin by reading to you from Zechariah chapter 8 in the New Living Translation from verse 12 where He said, I am planting seeds of peace and prosperity, or shalom, peace, among you. This is God talking to you. He said, I'm planting. I'm sowing the seed. I want you to take this as a personal word that God is sowing seed into your soul and into your life and into your experiences. And he defines what it is. I love these terms in this passage. Planting seeds of peace and prosperity. Glory to God. Shalom, peace. In studying that, you realize it includes the idea of nothing being lacking, nothing being missing, nothing being broken, but that God has restored, has put together, has reestablished or recreated something that He has envisioned for us, and He calls it peace. Jesus told His disciples, the things that I've taught you, I've taught you that you would have peace. We're going to find more and more that in these days that is the most valuable commodity is not just peace like we used to seek and look for peace. We were looking in all the wrong places for that kind of peace. It didn't bring any peace at all but this is the peace that only God brings. Vicki and I were talking about this a few days ago and she said this, she said peace is a force not just an experience it is a force power-filled force that imposes itself onto chaos if we allow it to who I like that idea and we're in days that can be riddled with chaos on a lot of levels and there's enough people that have their mission in life, it seems, to create chaos. Some of them do it on a professional level. They've made their entire career around being able to create chaos in their reports or in their writings or in their way of approaching society and uh, people live under that chaos and don't realize what it is. But it keeps you off balance. It keeps you not knowing how to position yourself for things to be made right. And it creates real dark times and real dark days for people. But peace is the force that God is sowing like a seed. He said, I'm sowing the seeds. I'm planting the seeds of peace and prosperity among you. Let's read on. He said, the grapevines will be heavy with fruit. Maybe last year wasn't as fruitful as you had wanted to see. But here's a fresh word for right now that the grapevines will be heavy with fruit, the earth will produce its crops, and the heavens will release the dew. Once more I will cause the remnant of Judah and Israel to inherit these blessings. Now watch this next line. 
Among other nations, Judah and Israel became a symbol of a cursed nation, but no longer. Everybody said out loud, but no longer. Now look, I know that refers to specific issues in Israel in the day it was prophesied. But I believe that these words are alive right this minute, not only for Israel, but for you personally. Maybe the chaos had created what seemed like the curse coming about in your life, things that just didn't belong, things that you went through and have gone through, or things that reemerged that just were a revisiting of things that Satan has used against you in one manner or another, but... Uh, though that may have been what took place, here's the word for us, but no longer. Say it again, no longer. No longer. Woo, hallelujah. But now watch this. Now I will rescue you. These are great words. You can shout anytime you want to. I will rescue you and make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. Glory to God. Those are such powerful words. I want you to hear it again. I will make you both a symbol of blessing and a source of blessing. Glory to God. Not just that and I don't minimize this by saying it this way, but not that God is saying He will be the symbol of blessing. He said, I'm making you into the symbol of blessing. That's a shift, isn't it? You know, we always have our eyes, and we should have our eyes on God. He is the source and resource of blessing and increase and abundance in our life and peace and all the things that His covenant has provided. But He wants that not only to be Him affecting you, but Him being reflected through you as a symbol and source of blessing. A symbol is something you look at, it really describes or points to something else. It symbolizes something. It's a symbol of an organization or a nation. Our flag is a symbol of our land. And you see this flag and it just evokes all kinds of right feelings in those who understand it, those who live with it, those who cherish it like I do. But it symbolizes something. It symbolizes a lot of things. Symbol doesn't point to itself, but it points to something else. He said, I'm making you into a symbol. Where people see you, they get around you, they're touched by your life. It symbolizes something of the greatness and the goodness and the blessing of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It impacts people. And here is our assignment, part of our assignment for this year, is that this year we decide 
we are impacting people on a much higher level than we have even up till now. This is our time for impact. Not just to be impacted, but to have an impact. Our life is not only about receiving from God. You know this. Freely you have received, Jesus said, freely give. Symbol of blessing. God moving in your life does something to impact other people. But you got to share it for it to have that kind of impact. Isn't that true? I wasn't going to tell this. And if Vicky's watching, you told me. So I'm telling. <laughs> Just today, we had quite an experience getting to the airport, actually. Not that it matters to you, but it, was a, it took actual real faith, prayer, confession, declaration, driving <laughs> devils out and, and speaking the word of faith, which was a challenge at times to actually get to the airport. I don't need to take you through the details, but there was a wreck, and it was throwing us behind, and I ended up checking in with one minute to spare. Had I been one minute later, which meant if I had driven... All right, I'm not going to tell you that part. <laughs> but I did make it. Well, Vicki went on to uh, an appointment that she had. She was at a dentist getting some maintenance done, you know, how you do. And while she was there, she just started to talk about how God had come through for us in getting to the airport, and she shared a variety of things, I guess. I don't know what all the conversation included, and she pointed out a few things. And, and uh, we were actually quite excited that we got here, so uh, she was excited she got me here. And uh, she was sharing this with somebody in the lobby of this, of this dentist office. And uh, so then Vicki's appointment time came up. She went on in and sat down in the chair. And when she did, one of the assistant uh, dentists that was assisting uh, for Vicki had been in the lobby and talked to apparently this lady that Vicki had talked to who was so excited about what Vicki had shared that she wanted to find out about our ministry because she wanted to send an offering to our ministry <laughs> from being in the dentist's lobby. Yeah. Glory to God. Man, we were shouting praises over that one. And I bring that up because that's just one concept of having an impact. a symbol, and a source. Vicki became a source of the blessing of God that hit this lady in the dentist lobby to the point that she wanted to connect to what had just happened. You have that capacity. You know you do. A symbol and a source of the blessing of God coming into somebody's life. We're stepping it up in these days. You know, there's all kinds of reasons to dumb it down in society and in the reporting of the way things are going. I mean, we could spend enormous amounts of time rehashing how difficult it is, how unjust certain things are, how we don't like certain politicians. You got to pray for them now. 
But there's all kinds of reasons to carry concern and worry, except for the fact that the Bible says over 300 times to fear or worry not. You get that kind of emphasis from God. There's not a whole lot of subjects in Scripture that he emphasizes over 300 times the same exact idea. Do not fear. Do not worry. And while there's plenty to worry about, as I've said here many a times, for the worrying kind of people, these are great days. Because you have so many options. But the Bible tells you not to do it, so no, these are not great days in that, in that arena. Because we're resisting, we resist the fear, and we fill ourselves. Now look, it's not enough just to resist the fear. You've got to fill yourself with the kinds of things that generate the faith and the love that counteracts fear. Perfect love casts out or drives out fear, throws out fear. So it's not only resisting the trauma, the fears, the history. It is embracing the destiny. You realize that Satan's attacks against you are not really because of your history alone, but it is because of your destiny. Because you have assignments, you have things God has envisioned for you and planned for you that just is not what Satan wants to see happen in your life. If he can keep you, Satan can keep you locked into those fears or traumas or hard times or imaginations that are going in the wrong way, which is worry. That's what worry is. Some people are highly skilled at worry. They've developed it well. You know, studies have shown That negative thinking is over 80% of many people's thought patterns. Now, what do you think is more important, to think more positively or to think less negatively? Those are two different things. Studies show that thinking less negative is going to have a greater impact on you. That doesn't mean you don't think positive, please. But that in your body, in your system, in your soul, in your mindset, hitting the off switch to the negative, the moment that you start to realize that's the direction you're going, you can begin to create a new habit of recognizing the negative. And as they say, accentuate the positive. It's a powerful concept. It's actually quite biblical. We take authority over what Satan has used against us. And we have to learn those habits. And we have to maintain those habits. If we're going to see this year supersede and excel beyond last year, then there's some shift that's going to take place in the way that we approach these things. We're going to have to be circumspect and, and diligent to see to it that we 
give ourselves to God's way of doing things. I know that's very cliche, but it's also extremely accurate and true. So it bears repeating at all times that we're going to have to do things God's way, and God's way is not going to be negative. He's going to point it out, though. He's going to help you. He's going to help you see it. And then you have to make the decision what to do about it. You know, you get somebody around you that can hear your negative, and if you'll allow them to, this is not easy. They can help you discover. Let me try to pad this as best I can. They can help you discover how negative you've been. <laughs> The problem with that is it really doesn't feel good as it happens, and it begs for a reaction. That would be the wrong way to handle the moment. <laughs> I can tell by the look on a few faces that you are not interested in doing this at all. Well, I'm really not either, but uh, we've got to grow, and growing is not going to happen by only doing the things you've done. So he said, I will, make, I will rescue you and make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. Then he wraps this passage up this way. So he said, be strong and get on with building or rebuilding for them, rebuilding the temple. But for you, get on with rebuilding whatever Satan has torn down in your life. Get on with rebuilding a relationship. Get on with rebuilding your mind. Get on with renewing your thought patterns or your manner of handling things. Get on with building yourself up in your most holy faith the way Scripture tells you to. How does Scripture tell you to get, build up your most holy faith? Anybody know? Yes. By praying in the Holy Spirit, Jude verse 20. Build yourself up by getting into the Word and praying in the Holy Spirit. These are the tools and the keys that God has given us as well as our worship that build us up, put us in a place and in a position these days require this. This isn't really optional thinking here. These days require that you get back to praying in the Holy Spirit, building yourself up in the presence of the Lord, and meditating on God's Word, keeping it as first place and final authority in your life. This is how real revival happens. Revival doesn't happen around us. Revival really happens within us. That's what we crave and that's what we long for. And that's how it happens. And it happens by 
praying in the Holy Spirit, by meditating on God's Word, by entering God's presence with your worship, your meditation, and your declarations of God's Word in your life. You build yourself up in these ways. You use the tools that this body, this church, this ministry has taught you for decades. See, for a lot of people, it's not really that they haven't had knowledge or had information as to the kinds of things that would be effective for their situation. It's really not that. A lot of times people will come to church, good churches, great churches, like this one. And yet they go through a lot of the same problems and troubles that they always have, or they go through all the same sort of things that non-Christians are going through all the time and not really seeing a great difference. Even though they have the information, they don't have what you can understand to be the understanding or revelation knowledge of that information and how it really is going to make a difference. It's not only being in the right place and hearing the right things, it's embracing these things and letting it have an impact. Letting it bring a change. Letting the Holy Spirit reveal something to you and in you. Does that make sense to you? See, that's the answer to some people's question as to why things aren't getting any better for them. Well, Dennis, I've done everything I know to do. And nothing seems to be working. All right. Well, I'm not going to call you a liar. So apparently you just don't know much if you're doing everything you know to do. You're not doing everything you know. Just everything you know to do. And you haven't made a decision to do some of the things you know. That only comes by one time when I say something like that. So God's doing something in us to open doors that can't be shut and shut doors that no one else can open. But he has an assignment and has a, a dream, really, for every one of us, a plan to take us into places. You know, what does Jeremiah 29, 11 tell us? That the plan that he has for us, I know the plans I have for you to do you good and not to harm you, to give you future, a future, and to give you hope. To give you hope, expectation, imagination inward pictures, an inward dialogue that, that is in line with where he's wanting to take you into healing or into the peace that he said he's sowing into your soul like seeds. Hallelujah. Mm-mm-mm. I talked some time back, maybe a year or two ago, about a trip that I took to Turkey with uh, Rick Renner and went into the 
five of the seven cities in the book of Revelation that Jesus spoke to. Any of you remember me talking about that? God brought that back into my, into my thinking. And uh, without going through all the detail of, of all the story of getting there and, and seeing all that, Jesus said something in that passage from Revelation chapter 3 that I, I want to point out. I, let me just read it to remind you of what he said in Revelation 3.15. He said, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. How many of you are happy that I read that? That's a, that's a rough word, actually. But I, I had this come back in my thinking because of that concept that I discovered when I was there in Laodicea regarding the cold and the hot that Jesus was referring to. You know, I wouldn't really ever touch this passage. I'd read it, but I wouldn't ever preach on it because... It just didn't quite, it didn't quite make sense to me, honestly, for the longest time. And really until I was in Laodicea and saw for myself what he would have been referring to. Because I understood hot as being hot for God, on fire, love Jesus with all my heart. Man, I'm hot for Jesus. Are you hot for God? You know, we love the Lord. We're on fire. All that kind of talk. What a, you know, and Jesus said, I would that you were on fire. Well, that would make sense to me. Would that you were hot. But what didn't make any sense to me is I would that you were cold. I could not reconcile what in the world that would mean. And I've read things and, you know, some look at that as I would that you were apathetic. I think there's even a translation that translates this that way. I would that you were either apathetic or whatever else it says. I, and it just doesn't make sense to me that there would be any occasion, any single occasion, that God would want somebody apathetic towards him. That just didn't make sense to me. But when I stood there in Laodicea, I saw an entirely different scenario of what he was talking about. I would that you were hot. Across the Lycos Valley, 10 kilometers is Hierapolis that has those hot mineral pools, huge mineral pools that people would come from all over the region in ancient days, biblical days, and even in modern days to soak in those waters for whatever medicinal help they felt they would get from those waters. But coming from those waters in Hierapolis were aqueducts that would actually go all the way, 10 kilometers across the Lycos Valley, all the way to Laodicea. And come to find out that Laodicea, being the rich city that it was, they didn't want to travel all the way to Hierapolis, 10 kilometers, in order to soak in those pools. They wanted the water to come to them. So they made a deal with the city or people that are going to make money off of this in Hierapolis that they would pay a fee and, uh, and have water brought to Laodicea where they could soak in those waters near the house. Now, the mystery to me is that they had any reason to think that those waters were going to actually be hot by the time they got 
all the way across the Lycos Valley to Laodicea. Well, they weren't going to be hot. They were going to be, guess what? Lukewarm at best. And that would be on a hot day. But they did it anyway. But what Jesus was saying is, I would that you were hot, like the healing waters of Hierapolis. That's what those in Laodicea wanted, and Jesus wanted them to have healing flowing to them and through them so they would be having an impact and that it wasn't just going to be something to come to them but actually flow through them. I would that you were hot like those healing waters. Or I would that you were cold. This is where the light really flipped on for me. There was a river that comes right next to the city of Laodicea and it's fed by various streams and tributaries that come out of a mountain nearby that is snow-capped. I mean, even in May, when we were there, it was 90-plus degrees in May when we were there. And uh, the snow cap was still, still on top of this mountain, but you know what's happening. It is creating these cool waters that are coming through the streams. I would that you were cool like the refreshing waters of that river. Bringing what? Bringing refreshing, bringing restoration, bringing hope and help and healing and kindness to somebody, but you in Laodicea are not doing any of that, and it nauseates me. That's, that's the best way I can, kindest way I can say it. Well, here's the idea of bringing all that up. God is looking for you to be cold and hot in that context, bringing help, hope, healing, encouragement, kindness, refreshing, restoration to people because of who Jesus is in you and because you have these things active in your life. Now, if you don't have these things active in your life, what is going on with you? You've got all the right stuff. And you have that capacity. It's a matter of decision, isn't it? It's a matter of what we decide to do. Vicki made a decision a long time ago that she, when she got that little unction, got a little open door, she was going to share something, a good word, a kind word, something like she did today in the dentist's office. She's going to do something. If she gets that unction, gets that open door, she's going to do something that's going to brighten somebody's day, lift somebody up, be a word of encouragement or whatever. That's a, that comes with a conscious decision, man. That doesn't happen accidentally. That's not because somebody's bubbly. Somebody bubbly can just be irritating, actually, at times. <laughs> oh, that was harsh. That was so harsh. That was... I think that was negative. Oops. Yeah, but if I'm preaching, that's, I'm, I get an exemption, don't I? Don't know, do I get an exemption of some sort? Let me bring another, another passage into, into play here. 
The psalmist said something. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation to get this to you. Psalm 24, beginning in verse 7. He says, so wake up, you living gateways. Say living gateways. Ooh, that's powerful. This is what God's calling us. Living gate. Wake up, you living gateways. Lift up your heads, you ageless doors of destiny. This is how God views us. This is what He has in mind for us, viewing ourselves in line with this. Living gateways, ageless, I like that more and more as time goes on. Ageless doors of destiny. He said, welcome the king of glory, for he is about, now watch this, he is about to come through you. Said out loud, he's about to come through me. That's what this time is all about. Ageless door of destiny. You ask, who is the king of glory? The Lord armed and ready for battle. The mighty one, invincible in every way. So wake up, you living gateways, and rejoice. Fling wide, you ageless doors of destiny. Here he comes. Say it out loud. Here he comes. The king of glory is ready to come in. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Get ready. Here he comes. Woo. Glory to God. Most of you know my story enough. I've told it probably plenty of times here, but getting saved in the days of the Jesus movement, coming out of a drug scene and, and just a acid head, traveling the universe on a regular basis type guy. I give my life to Jesus, and I begin to get plugged in to a whole different mindset, obviously. Begin to see life from a real perspective of what it's actually all about, and you move away from this kind of peace to this kind of peace, the peace of God, and you realize, man, this is the real deal. And one of the earmarks that Vicki and I both remember as being a part of those early days of the Jesus movement for us, one of the earmarks, there was several, we had a craving for the presence of God. We wanted to be in His presence. We wanted to worship and be together and, and glorifying God and just worshiping God. We didn't always know a whole lot about the Word. <clears throat> we hadn't really grown up in a lot of ways and we're still carrying plenty of baggage, no doubt. But we were hungry for the presence of God in our life. And we would do what it took to get ourselves uh, together as, uh, and, and just sing some song. Somebody would bring just a, an acoustical guitar maybe and we'd just sit and let the presence of God wash through us. These were rich times. You get quiet in your own soul over other things that are going on and you just let the presence of God just permeate your soul. If you've never had the well, you have, you've been around here, but uh, you, you don't have to wait for a church service 
we didn't wait for a church service. You know, church, the church we were at, it, they had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They had visitation, a few other things. But a lot of times, you know, the church is locked up. There's, so one of the guys got the key to the church. And uh, I think he was dating the pastor's daughter, and I think that's how that went. Well, you know, it goes on. And, uh, but we'd get into the church on an off night, man. Nobody's in there, flip a few lights on, and just begin to sing and worship and glorify God together. And just let the Holy Spirit wash through us. You know, we didn't want to have to wait for a service necessarily. I mean, you know, we didn't get stoned just on Sunday morning. It was an ongoing thing, at least it was for me. And so, boy, the presence of God, what that means, you come to realize you don't have to wait. And we didn't have, I realized we didn't have to get into the church and do it. You can just do this right in your car. It, it does affect the speed you drive. I found that out the hard way. But one of the other earmarks was that we, we were bent on giving something out to anybody that we could find. We wanted to share what we had. We didn't know a great deal of how to explain what we had, at least I didn't. We had to wrap our head into the words to be able to uh, share the love of Jesus. But man, it was real it was deep, it was powerful, it was all-encompassing, and man, we wanted something to have an impact on somebody else. We knew immediately, of, after giving our lives to the Lord, man, that what we had was so real, we had to give it out. It had to impact somebody else, and we wanted in on that action. I mean, we would, in those days, we'd go to a mall, not to shop, we didn't have any money, well, we'd go to the mall to just find people to talk to about Jesus. One time I jumped up on top of one of the places you're supposed to sit. Had a big block that was, people would sit on. And I, I just got up on top of that and started talking to people about Jesus. Get a little crowd of people, you know. and Yeah, so they think you're a nut or they don't like what you're doing or whatever it is. And, well, they thought I was a nut before I knew Jesus too. So <laughs> nothing changed there. Now, that doesn't mean you have to do that, but we would go out and we wanted to find somebody. In those days, the malls would set up, allow the Hare Krishnas set up in Southern California where we were. Did that happened down here too? The Hare Krishna would set up tables and burn incense and offer altar bread to people and solicit people to become Hare Krishnas right there in the mall. I mean, it was wild. And they would send some of their emissaries out not all of them look like the guys that bang bongos and, carry, and wear sheets and shave their heads. Some of them look fairly normal. And they'd go out to solicit and get money, hit you up for money for a youth work. That's what they would tell you. Well, we're doing a youth work and just wondered if you had any spare change. And, and one time in particular, Vicki pulled out 25 cents. She said, well, yeah, I've got some change. She didn't give it to her, but she said, yeah, I've got some change. And she started to talk to this girl about the Lord. And the Lord started to move in this girl. And there started to be a spiritual battle go on in this girl. 
And uh, she said, finally, she just, it's like she woke up to something that was going on, and she said, wait a minute, i got to go. i got to leave. And Vicki said, but you didn't take your quarter. She said, oh, all right. So she came back, and Vicki kept preaching to her, still didn't give her that quarter. <laughs> we just knew we had to share Jesus. I mean, I'd get out, and I don't recommend this. I wouldn't do it today. But I'd get out on Pacific Coast Highway, which ran right through the area where I lived on, uh, in Southern California. And, I mean, I had a car and I had a motorcycle, but I'd get out and I'd hitchhike, get a ride toward the beach, solely to get in somebody's car and talk to them about Jesus. That was the only reason. I had nowhere to go. Where are you going? I'm going this way. Talk to them about the Lord. Sometimes they'd bear fruit. Sometimes they'd pull over at the next turnout they could get to and say, that's it, out. <laughs> what, what, what I do? <laughs> but here's what you come to realize. You come to realize that every seed sown is alive and stays alive. When somebody gets around the presence and the power of God that is inside of you, it can have an impact and sow a seed that they will never be able to escape. And it will generate peace for them and possible deliverance for them as it continues to speak to them. You don't have to even know a lot about it. There was times I didn't know what I was talking about. People would ask questions. You know, they ask questions. Yeah, well, what about this? And, you know, I thought in the very early days, I thought if, if, if somebody asked a question, I had to come up with an answer. So I'd make stuff up. <laughs> Not always, but, I mean, if it was a question I didn't know what in the world, I'd just make something up. And they, oh, okay. They just, oh, okay. I don't know why I'm telling you this, man. I don't <laughs> I don't want you to tell anybody this. But I found out that God would even use partial truth when it was given it with a sincere heart. Is that fair? Come on, please, humor me. Let's stay friends just slightly longer. Have we read from the Bible yet? He said, wake up, you living gateways. Lift your heads, you ageless doors of destiny. This is how God sees you. A gate and a door so that He can come through you. Glory to God. Yeah, here we are. So He said, the glory is ready to come in. Verse 10, he says, who is the king of glory? He's the Lord of victory, armed and ready for battle, the mighty one, the invincible commander of heaven's host. Yes, he is the king of glory. Here he comes. The king of glory is coming in. Say it again. Here he comes. So get ready. I believe that's what this time is actually all about. It's about... Us setting a course to get ourselves ready and see that we can be ready in spite of what's been going on or what has not seemed to happen. 
We refuse to be discouraged. We refuse to be fear-filled. We refuse the worry. We refuse the fear and we refuse the negative in the name of Jesus. Now that doesn't mean these things don't pop up. But it means we nail it when it does and we recognize it as soon as possible and we just drive it out. They wait a minute, that is just not me and that is not where I'm going. No, I'm delivered from being negative in the name of Jesus and I'm nailing the negative to the wall. I'm shutting down the villain's voice in my head. It's execution time. We're killing it in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Let me take you to one other passage and then I want to pray for you and I believe the Holy Spirit. Well, it could be more than one, but at the moment it looks like one. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Where Paul is is talking about an experience of his. He was very open and shared things in 2 Corinthians that he really didn't go into Certainly didn't go into in 1 Corinthians. He was correcting them in 1 Corinthians. But now, this has a whole different tone to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to begin in verse 7, in the New King James, first of all. And it reads this way. He said, Lest I should be exalted above measure by what? By the abundance. Now listen to what was going to exalt him. The abundance of revelations. There was an abundance of revelation that Paul had. Well, we know that. I mean, it's, it's, it's what these letters are all about. It is an abundance of revelation. Unless these revelations cause him to be exalted. Let me use a different word, lifted up. Revelation is all about lifting your life. Not weird revelations. I mean a revelation of what God has said in His Word and how it applies to you right now. Exact knowledge, revelation of how to apply something that you've just read in Scripture. It just comes alive. You've had it happen many times. You read through something and it's, it's like you know you've read this before, but it's like this is the first time I've ever seen this. Why? Because it's addressing something right now and when you stop and embrace it and declare it and pray over it and meditate it and let that word speak to you personally right then, it's going to build you up. It's going to, I'll use that term, it's going to exalt you. Being exalted is not a bad thing. Being exalted in pride is a bad thing. But Paul goes on here and he said, Lest I be exalted above measure... By the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. A thorn in the flesh was what? Given. So now, here's here's the key to grasping what he's talking about. Who gives this thorn that is addressing him being exalted by the abundance of revelation? Where is this thorn coming from? He tells us exactly where it's coming from. In the very next line, he said, A messenger of Satan to buffet me. Who do you think sent the messenger of Satan? I mean, let's just break it down. Is this 
from God or is this from Satan? A messenger of Satan seems crystal clear. And why would a messenger of Satan be sent to Paul? Because of the abundance of revelations that was building him up. This is why a messenger of Satan is sent to you also. So that revelation from God and His Word will not build you up. That you will be filled with questions and wondering and heartache and trouble and misunderstanding or something, anything to keep you from being built up. Paul said it was a messenger of who? A messenger of Satan. Not God. Sent to buffet him, lest he would be exalted above measure. Now watch this. This is how Paul deals with it. And this sounds like something I would do. He said, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. God, get this off of me. God, get this off of me. God, are you there? Get this off of me. He said, I pled with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And here's what God said to him. My grace is sufficient for you so that you can keep that demon and still keep a smile on your face. Is that what God said to him? This is what some people think the point is actually being made. That you can go through all of this, not get any better, not see any relief, not have any answers, but grace is going to sustain you to be able to weather the storm and sink with a smile on your face. All right, they wouldn't say it just that way, but that is not at all what God has said. No, He said this to me, verse 9 again, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, Most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power, now watch this, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. That seems kind of crazy in some ways, unless you understand this thinking. I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I'm weak... This is why he could take pleasure in it. That's when I'm strong. Let me read that last verse to you from the Passion Translation. Because this just comes alive and really this is, this is where I've been going all night. Verse 10 again, he said, So, I'm not defeated by my weakness, but I'm delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side. Did you feel like that recently? 
troubles on every side. He said, and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. Now watch this line. Here it is. For my weakness becomes, look at this word, a portal to God's power. I want you to let that sink in really deep because that is really a powerful concept. My weakness, my heartache, my issue, the trauma, the fear, the lack, all the things I've been redeemed from, but they've come at me. Those, when I take the grace that God has given me, I don't cave in because of the needs or the weakness. I let that grace turn this weakened situation into a place of power. This is my place of power in the name of... Does that make any sense to you? That flips my switch. When I first read that statement made that my weakness became or becomes a portal of power, it just shifted something in me. And I wanted to shift something in you tonight. You have within you this portal, this entry point, this place of power. It's by the grace of God. My grace is more than enough, he said. It's not just sufficient, barely going to make it kind of grace. This is over and above abundant grace for this power to blast through you and drive out the weakness in the name of Jesus. And I believe this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do right now tonight in every single person that will embrace it. We're waiting for God to take and do, do something that God's already done. He's already provided. Now that doesn't mean we're stuck with what we've got because He's done all He's going to do. No, that's not what it means. It means we have the capacity to access this abundant grace which is more than enough to address the situations. And that's what God was saying to Paul. I've given you the grace to push back on what Satan has put on you. You have what it takes. We have authority in Jesus' name. Sadly, as believers, oftentimes, many times, this authority is not really being used and activated at all. But you have it. Just because you're not using it doesn't mean you don't have it. You do have it. Because you're in Christ. Say it out loud, I'm in Christ. And I have that authority. And what is this authority for? It is to take dominion over the weakness, over the strategies, over what Satan has launched against us because of whatever revelation we have. His plan and purpose, Satan's plan and purpose is to steal, kill and destroy even the revelation that you have. And circumstances of life can be one of those tools or some of those tools that will begin to hammer away at your life 
until those circumstances penetrate through your soul and play havoc in your life. You know, one of the definitions of the, the, the word devil is to penetrate. He keeps hammering away, and he doesn't hit your strongest point. He hits at your weakest point. Oftentimes, we just focus on staying strong in the things we're strong in. And don't dig into the things that Paul's digging into, that God said the grace is there for this, for this weakened area in your soul so that you can turn that weakened area in your soul into a portal of power. Glory to God. I love that terminology. A portal of power. A revelation of how the King of glory can come in and then begin to, again, come through you gateway of His glory. Living gateway. Ageless door of destiny. Hallelujah. We have to see ourselves. In the, and this is how we can answer the call and the, the design and desire inside of us to have the impact that we've been designed to have. Something starts to shift on the inside of you. Because the Holy Spirit has not only been born within you, but He comes upon you. So He can flow through you in the name of Jesus. So I believe that the Holy Spirit has come tonight to set a, a tone that can, that can influence your entire year this year and turn it into a great year maybe your greatest year up till now. That sounds like a good idea. Let's, let's drop the maybe and let's just go with the, the definite to make this the greatest year you've ever had up till now. To restore things that need restoring. To revive things that need reviving. To reignite the things that need reigniting. To set the course for things that need to be set. And for the path to begin to be crystal clear as to how you're going to walk in it in the name of Jesus. So stand with me if you would and let me pray for you. Hallelujah. Lift your hands before the Lord. We're in the presence of God. His, His anointing and His presence is rich here tonight. And He's come to bring healing. He's come to bring restoration. He's come to be that, that powerhouse to enter you so that what has been weakened in your life is not weak any longer. In the name of Jesus. Say it right out to God. Oh God, here I stand. I'm not afraid of a weakness. I'm delighted because I see it 
for what it is and why it is in my life. And in Jesus' name, I apply that grace that is more than enough to turn this weakness into a portal and place of power. So I receive the power to drive that weakness out in the name of Jesus and do it now. Satan, I take authority over you, over every tactic, fear, and seed sown into my soul. And I cast you out in the name of Jesus. My thoughts are the thoughts of God. My thoughts are not the negative thoughts. I take authority over the negative. And I release the positive in the name of Jesus. This is my year for victories. My year for an open door. And my year to have doors shut that don't belong in me. And I receive it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. The presence of God is in this house. You're in a better place than you were when you walked in. Part of the abundance of revelation is exalting you and doing its work. Hallelujah. And Satan doesn't have the capacity to talk you out of it. Is that true for you? We're not going to let the devil talk us out of it. In Jesus' name. So Father, thank you for the anointing in this place. Thank you for your presence that's in this place. I declare in this house that these are days of an open door, that God has opened doors that no one will shut, that in the name of Jesus, the fresh anointings of the Spirit of God are washing through this place, and that anointing of the glory and the power and the presence of the Lord is powerhouse full in this place. In the name of Jesus, let it be so right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Woo! Are you glad you came tonight? We're in for a powerful time this year. Don't let the devil shift your attention onto the distractions to try to get you off of your faith and back into some kind of discouragement or despair or darkness. No, no, no. Yeah, we know there's plenty of reasons they give us for having their negative point of view, but hey, we found out the negative is not going to be our, our manner of living. We've been delivered from it in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Say it out loud, I've been delivered. 
Oh, praise the Lord. I've been delivered by His Word in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, shout a praise to the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Pastor Bob, thanks for allowing me to come on short notice and drop in since I was in the neighborhood. You guys are such a blessing. We appreciate, Vicki and I both appreciate you guys so much in your partnership and the partnership of this church. And Many of you individually are partners with our ministry and we do appreciate and pray for you. Thank God that you're in our ministry and in our lives also. So I believe these words are just going to have an impact tonight and bear good fruit. How many of you believe they're bearing fruit for you? Come on, shout another praise to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Wasn't that good? You know, um, Dennis, we love you and Vicki. You are a tremendous blessing in our life. You always have been. I first met Dennis in 1982, uh, December, December of 1982. So that was a few days ago. And he has always been a tremendous blessing. And uh, we just love a friendship and partnership together. And we're so glad that God dropped you in <laughs> by surprise tonight. Amen. Amen. You know, I, uh, the first time I stepped into the pulpit was actually January of 1982. So I'm just starting my 42nd year. And I've never known anybody that could teach the word with such clarity as Dennis does. It is, if, you, if you don't understand what Dennis is saying... You need a speech class. It's really, really, really good. So thank you again, Dennis. You know, uh, when um, the Shunammite woman realized that Elisha was coming to town, she went to her husband and she said, I realize that this is a man of God. And you know the story, you know, and she sewed into him. But it wasn't about giving into a person. It was about giving into the anointing that the person was carrying. And Dennis carries an anointing, and thank God he's brought it to us tonight. And I believe that you can sow into this anointing that just came to you and that word. Because like we said, like he said, it's not about the information you receive tonight, but taking this information and the turning into revelation something that you work on, live in your life, and make your decisions based on that revelation. That'll change your year and change your life. Because that's what the Word is all about. The Word's not about information. That's what the Bible calls wisdom. It's information. It's the Word of God. It's wisdom. But unless the wisdom becomes understanding, which is revelation, then there is no application, which is what the Word calls knowledge. Amen. Amen. And you can't apply information, not with success. So I really believe that sowing into what the Lord has shared with us tonight. In Ephesians, it's in the Passion Translation, Ephesians 1.16, that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and his favor. And we know favor is grace, unlimited grace. 
our lives are so limited. And there's so much to tap into. You know, if we think for a moment that we are, oh, I've got a hold of, that means your life's as good as it's going to get. And we're all in trouble. <laughs> but there's an unlimited richness of grace to tap into that can really, really affect your life. And that's the grace that Dennis was talking about tonight that wants to move through that portal in power. Amen. Amen, amen. Are you, are you ready to sow into this with a definite commitment and understanding that this is what God wants to do in our life? 2024. We're not going to leave 2024 and go, oh, I'm glad that year was done. I'm ready for a new year. No, 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 no. We're going to move on through 2024, and it's going to be powerful, and we're going to be like, okay, bring on 2025, and it's going to be twice as good as 2024 because it's going to be a good year. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for what you have brought to us tonight through your word. We thank you, Father, for your anointing that comes on the word. That as we sit, Father, and we hear again or we take hold of the notes that we've read and we go through what we've li listened to in the word tonight, that same anointing is going to move on the inside of us and it's going to grow. It's going to develop, Father, and those seeds will produce fruit. And Father, I thank you that we will go from the place that we are to becoming that very symbol and source of blessing. Father, we sow into this anointing tonight, and we declare that we're ready for it to move on the inside of us, to take hold in our life, Father, and to move in great power. We're setting ourselves now by setting our seed and believing that it will be exactly as you have said, for you are not a man that you should lie. So we thank you, Father, for this opportunity. We thank you for the great blessing of your word. And with gratitude, Father, in our heart, we sow our seed tonight with a great expectation that all that you have declared shall become a reality in our life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. There's an envelope on the seat back in front of you for a credit card or for cash giving. If you're making out a check, make it out to New Life. Just mark your check or your envelope for Dennis Burke, and we'll make sure that everything will go to him and his ministry. We take nothing out for anything. Everything goes to him. And I would also encourage you to be a partner with him on a uh, monthly basis. You can go to his website, uh, DennisBurkeMinistries.org. And you can give online and have it become a recurring donation and become partners with this ministry, which is going around the world declaring the things you've heard tonight. Amen. If you joined us on live stream or on podcast, we're so glad that you are with us tonight. And I know that the word affected you right there, just like it did us over here, because there is no distance in the spirit. And when your heart is open to receive from God, that distance, that camera, that screen doesn't make any difference. The spirit of God moves right on in there when your heart is open to receive from him. And I know that you've received from him tonight. Amen. So if you'd like to sow into Dr. Burke's ministry, Go to his website, DennisBurkeMinistries.org, give online, 
and have it become a recurring donation. If you have already sown seed onto our website at newlifefamilyworship.net, just put in the, in the description box, Dennis Berg, and we'll make sure that everything goes to him. Amen. Has he been a blessing to you? Aren't you glad that he came? Aren't you glad you came? Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and for your grace. We thank you for all that you are, for all that you do, all that you've deposited on the inside of us, the seeds, Father, that will be watered with prayer, watered with study of the word, and watered, Father, so that revelations shall bring forth within us, Father, and it shall bear fruit and grow and produce after its own kind, and it will bring forth from us in manifestations of what your word declares, and that is your power moving through us in great ways. We thank you for it and bless you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Glory to God.